This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Stephanie on from DDI, and our topic today is the leadership trust crisis and what we can do about it. So let's just do introductions first. Stephanie, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and DDI? Absolutely. Thanks, William. I am Stephanie Neal, Director of Research in DDI Center for Analytics and Behavioral Research, also known as CABER for short, since that's a long one. And DDI is a global leadership firm that helps companies to, to develop, hire, and promote exceptional leaders. So that's our mission. I manage this great research project here called the Global Leadership Forecast, which DDI has been conducting for more than 20 years to understand current and future leadership best practices. So I'm very excited to be here with you today and to talk more about the latest trends in our research findings as well. Well, let's let's just jump into the, this. Uh, what is the leadership trust crisis? So, I would assume that it's you started with research, but 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 maybe yeah. not. Let's just let's uh, let's kind of give the audience a taste for what is that crisis. Absolutely. Well, I think what we're seeing, and we've been measuring, you know, a number of different factors in the forecast over the past twenty years, but one of the more recent um, kind of declines that we've seen has been in trust. And this is, you know, not just unique to our research, Edelman's trust um, barometer also has been talking about a decline in trust, you know, overall, you know, people feeling they can't trust any institution, whether it's business, government, media, you know, kind of across the board, this general drop in trust. And unfortunately, although the bright spot is that business is the most trusted institution, what we're seeing is that leaders themselves aren't feeling that they can trust their leadership at their companies to the same extent um, that we used to see, and also just not the number that we would expect, um, especially when you think these are companies' leaders. So um, happy to dig in a bit more oh, about yeah. that, but I think oh, yeah. generally, you know, it's this this drop-off and this lack of trust that is really concerning and, of course, makes it hard to keep people, keep people engaged, retain them, and to get, you know, the work done that we need to. So the three things that came into my mind last night as I was thinking about this is, okay, what impact did COVID have on this? You know, like what what was, if we go back to 2018, 19 or whatever, yeah. um, what was it before? Um, what did COVID have any, I should and not be assumptive, of course, did COVID have an impact on this? Two, is this a generational thing? Uh, is this everyone reevaluating their life because of COVID? Yeah. Uh, is it generational, et cetera? And I go through the third, but let me, let's stop there. Um, what, what do you think so were some of the drivers for the, the change in, in trust? Yeah, those are such great questions. And I think we should definitely dive into each of those because we also did, you know, as soon as we saw um, this, you know, low rating for trust. And, and just to be clear, what we're seeing is only 46% of leaders are reporting that they definitely trust their direct manager, which means less than half of them directly to trust their direct manager. And that's to do what is right is the context um, in which we ask them. So it's about work, right? They're not trusting that their manager will do what is right. 
And more troubling, only 32% said that they trust senior leaders at their organization to do what is right. So that's really, you know, less than a third, um, pretty dramatic when we think about senior leaders needing to lead their organizations through these priorities and and their leaders, you know, not even just employees, people at manager levels and above aren't trusting them. So just to let you know what we saw over, you know, the past few years, including since the pandemic was leaders really started to feel a lot more favorably about their senior leaders and their leaders overall. So in 2020, we actually saw some of our highest ratings and some of our highest numbers, um, not only for for trust, but also for leaders having more empathy, um, showing more empathy, and also for, you know, all sorts of good skill sets, communication, you know, they were kind of rating leaders higher across the board in response to the pandemic. And this is really following on the pandemic from, March to May or July, um, we we saw these higher ratings. And what was interesting about it is it seemed that the more senior leaders were out there saying, you know, look, we're going to make these decisions because we care about you and your health. Leaders felt, okay, they're going to do the right thing. So thinking about what's happened since then and seeing that you know, companies in some cases are starting to pull their people back to the office, um, starting to make some decisions that maybe don't feel as people oriented, um, and possibly also not seeing as strong of growth as they did, you know, following on the pandemic and even the years leading up to the pandemic. It seems like there's this crisis right now of trust. And also we're seeing some other measures where leaders are clearly concerned that, you know, their organizations may not be headed in the right direction, may not be ready to meet the challenges ahead. So what's interesting about that is at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I you know, said this a, a, probably a jillion times, but we we basically would start off calls with empathy. It's like, how are you doing? How's your family? Yeah. You know, what's going on? Um, and I, and I, I even said it at the time. I'm like, I hope we don't lose this. Yeah. You know, however long this goes on, I hope that we stay business stays like this. Like, okay, you have an hour long business call. The first 15 minutes are about how's everybody doing? Um, and then the next 45 minutes can be all about, you know, all about the work and everything else. But um, it seems like, it seems like what your research is telling you is we've, we've the empathy part um, we've gotten back to kind of the poor habits we had in 2019 and before where business was just about business and it didn't kind of bleed over into the personal lives. Um, but I want to ask you in terms of some of the things that may, might have been driving the higher scores, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, was just the over communication. That was the third thing is I was going to get to transparency. Yeah. yeah. Is is because I heard from a lot of people at the time, it's like, I haven't talked to my CEO this much <laughs> ever. Like, I didn't know I didn't know she know my name, you know, like you know, like and it became one of those deals because it was chaotic. Uh, HR did a wonderful job of communicating. Leadership did a wonderful job of communicating. And then, you know, they, you know, maybe maybe some of this is they felt like we were living in a more transparent space than we are today. Absolutely. And I think that example that you gave about, you know, suddenly seeing the CEO in a way right. um, or feeling even, you know, more familiarity or more concern from the CEO in a personal level um, than people did in the past. I absolutely think that's part of what's at play here. And I think 
just knowing that we saw ratings of communication, of empathy, of senior leaders overall, just in terms of their quality of their senior leaders, um, that was all rated higher in 2020. And we saw it actually kind of increase from from March to May, um, which was really interesting when it was, as you know, the time where all those companies and those senior leaders were very much focused on getting to their people, telling them what's going on, telling them what's important, you know, mm -hmm. and really, really focusing on people, but also on how we're going to get through this together. So there was really, I think, a strong message to your point about, um, you know, senior leaders feeling like they needed to be more visible and lead the way. And that gave, you know, it was a huge boon to their, um, to employees' confidence and feeling good about their senior leaders. So knowing what's happened kind of since even just the past year, um, where there have been companies that, like I've said, have pulled people back to the office, have maybe not been as clear about communicating. And honestly, it's stepped that back because, you know, senior leaders themselves are part of some of these other trends we're seeing where leaders are really feeling fatigue mm -hmm. and burning out after leading through a crisis like this in a time of, you know, crisis after crisis. It wasn't right. just the pandemic. There have been other things, um, obviously, if impacting the world. And and I think that's that's another driver of this, too, is just that, that burnout that we don't recognize necessarily for even those at the top. Well, we're at a weird economic time where we have an abundance of, of jobs open. So, so there's an abundance. It's it's like a low employment, uh, unemployment rate, and yeah. we feel like we're we've talked ourselves, or feel like consumer confidence wise, where we feel like we're in a recession. Okay, so the two things usually don't happen together. Normally, when right. you're in a right, normally when you're in a recession, you're hiring right, down. Right. Yeah. So, so that's kind of weird. We talked all for an hour about that, but but <laughs> I also think that because of this feeling on the recession side. I think that you're, we're not seeing a clear picture of of employees' actual moving, because if there was, if it was truly, if we were just had the economy that we really, by the numbers, should have, I think we would see a lot of movement. I would see a yeah. lot of employees just not. I'm, I'm just, like right now, it's kind of feels like the beginning of COVID in the sense of I'm just going to hunker down and stay in my job. Yes, and I think that's what happens, right? When yeah. people are feeling uncertain or vulnerable, right. and that things could change, and they don't want to put themselves out there in a that's place right. of risk, right? That's they don't want to take on too much risk. That's such a, I think, a good observation about where we're at right now. So, two questions: One is this return to the office? Like I've made fun of this for so long, it's it's become kind of uh, passe. But it's it's like what was so great about 2019 uh, at the office? <laughs> That we have to return for, other than our return on investment with rent and, uh, right. and and having office space. Like, what? Why do you? Why do you feel like leaders? I mean, I know some of the arguments would be that soft skill development and some of the stuff you can't learn over Zoom. Okay, fair right. enough. But what? Why do you think? Why do you feel like when you see that when you see a big announcement in the Wall Street Journal, or whatever, about someone return to the office? What? What goes through your mind? Yeah, I think there's two things. And I think one is um, the familiarity, like you right. mentioned, right? That's what the workplace was. We saw it, you know, you need to be in person to collaborate and get this work mm -hmm. done. Obviously, the pandemic forced this radical experiment for everybody to realize, oh, no, we can work, you know, more dispersed, we can work yeah. virtually, we can get all this stuff done. So it's maybe a little bit of this fear of like, thinking that, you know, that'll continue to be successful. Um, the other thing I think is some productivity paranoia, which I've, I've seen other thought leaders talk about as well. And I think what it really is, is, you know, being concerned that if you don't see people working, 
if you don't see, you know, these connections happening, that maybe it isn't. So it's, again, that's kind of actually the lack of trust right there, right? right. Which is, right. you need to extend trust to get trust. And I think that's something that senior leaders are missing, and they really need to help set that tone because starting, you know, trust needs to start at the top um, and get extended. And then employees are more likely to return trust if they both, you know, feel that they're being trusted and given these opportunities to to earn that trust as well. Yeah, we, we just went, as you saw, you called it an experiment, which is a wonderful way of looking at it. It's like the experiment worked by and large. It worked. And if it didn't, yeah. okay, then hyper-focus on where, yeah, hyper-focus on the areas of the, or, or whatever where it didn't work, but why paint everybody with the same brush? It's just, again, uh, it seems like, you know, it seems that we talked about workplace flexibility for a hundred years. We right. finally got to a point where, okay, there is a massive flexibility insofar as Absolutely. you don't have to go to the office, you can work from home. And oh, by the way, the job still gets done. Maybe it gets yes. done a little bit differently. Okay. Like I, 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 I think it's a tell. So I'll, I'll go, <laughs> I, won't, I won't ask you to do this, but I'll do this. I think it's a tell of a bad manager that I have to, if I have to see you work, I think that's actually yeah. a bad manager. If that, I, I know. think the data to some extent bear that out too. Just the things that we were talking about when we looked at what did make the difference for people with trust for these right. leaders to say they trusted their direct managers and they trust their senior leaders. It came down to behaviors where they show they care about their well-being. Yep. They're prioritized on, you know, talent on people. They're, you know, focused on um, showing empathy. And that doesn't mean just feeling it. It means displaying it, right. And showing people that you care. So I do think um, that that's a really I think well supported um, hypothesis that you have, or a good, a good <laughs> it's a, suggestion. It's a working, it's a working yeah. thesis. It's a working thesis. It's a working process. Absolutely. We'll check and, in you know, in a couple of years, see if the data plays that out. Well, one thing that you mentioned just a little bit ago too is you know that people feel you know this this collaboration needed to happen in the office, and I was just thinking about it as you talked about it that in 2019 and really leading up to that, the big push was not only for collaboration but to making offices more open, taking yep. down walls, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting people together to collaborate. So I think this was like such a strong bought into change for senior leaders too, that that might be, you know, lead, that leading up to the pandemic was probably some kind of crazy timing um, that we were at a point where we thought, you know, you have to take the walls down and now here we all sit in yeah. our disparate offices. That's That challenges that notion of collaboration, I, physical I'm, collaboration. I'm so too. jaded. I think it's just about real estate. It's yeah. just about long leases. <laughs> There's <laughs> so, that. that so, uh, so I'm I'm that jaded. But I, I wanted to ask you if, if you saw anything in the data between kind of mid managers and frontline managers. When I say frontline, I mean kind of further further down the ranks, however you want to define that. But from leadership all the way to entry level jobs, if you will. There's this whole middle management. Did you see anything different with trust between middle managers and uh, I say frontline or entry level jobs? Well, it's it's interesting that you say that. Actually, it was a bit opposite from what we expected. I think, which is that um, lower level um, leaders and also employees were more likely to trust oh, their leaders. And it's not it's, so. It's not just the level two. What we saw, if we looked at this, is more specific to trusting their direct manager. Right. What we saw is that first level leaders are pretty well trusted by their employees. Um, mid-level leaders are pretty well trusted in terms of it's not worse, you know, right, than right. what we saw before. 
But at the senior level, those that report into senior leaders report the least amount of trust when it's their direct manager. So now you're taking away the proximity oh, bias. It's not about just senior managers, you know, not being trusted from afar, even those directly reporting into them so aren't trusting th- them as much. What, what do you believe dri- drives that particular thing? Because I have a yeah. hypothesis, but uh, what, what are the data? What do <laughs> yeah, data I play mean, out? Based on what we see, I think it's simply those using the behaviors that show people that they're trusted too. Right. So it's again going back to those seven behaviors we have in our um, report. And I'm happy to you know list some of them out too. But empathy, concern for well-being, and even just showing that you care about the people side. I think most right. likely senior leaders, especially when they meet with their direct reports, we're talking about still fairly high-level leaders who they probably feel like, hey, you know, they've done this, they've proven themselves, they've got it. Let's just focus on the business. And and likely when they do connect with them. They don't give as much concern to possibly coaching. They're focused more on, you know, the higher level execution um, conversations. So I'm my hypothesis there would be that it's not showing as many of those behaviors that show you care about someone and where their career is going. Because this is somebody, you know, you've already you already know is established and going. But it's also just a, I think a an opportunity for leaders at the senior level to realize, okay, maybe that this isn't working. Right. Um, in the same way, and it's not about getting out of the way of that person, but also making sure that those next leaders down are feeling supported because they are burning out. Right. Um, and, you know, if you don't show that concern, you could lose some of your best people and the next person that's going to, you know, help get all the work done that you need. Which it's, it's for, for me, the, the, the leaders of a company, I believe they, they stepped up during COVID and made themselves more present, more communicative, more transparent, uh, more empathetic, uh, all of those things. And, and then, you know, towards the wane of, of, uh, COVID, I think that either they were exhausted or, um, they didn't think it was that important or they didn't think it was a part of the job. Like there's something that drove that behavior of them not doing the things that they did so well. And for a lot of uh, leaders, they did so well during COVID. So something, either you know, and it could be multiple things. It could be some other things that are not listed, but just the idea that they would go back to behaviors pre-pandemic, <laughs> something yeah. drove that. Yeah, you're right. And I think a lot of it is probably, you know, a bit of both. You you step away, you feel like you've done that good yeah, job, maybe right. already, right? Pat yourself on the back, go back, play <laughs> golf. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just what's the what's going to reinforce that. And unfortunately, we don't want it to take another crisis or another you know, oh, great honey, resignation yeah. right. um, to cause leaders to feel like, okay, these are important things. And I think it, it really is often not seeing why, you know, what are considered soft skills, what are considered those really, you know, core leadership skills are so necessary, even as you get to the higher levels. And honestly, why they need to be revisited, especially now, you know, we're talking about how you're not going to be necessarily running into people in a hallway, you're not going to be in the same environment necessarily as a senior leader who might used to you know, have walked the floor right. and tried to see people. So if you want to make those connections, it's going to require you revisiting those skill sets. I think in a way too. And that's, that's something that we haven't always had as much pressure on senior leaders to do, I think. Right. Um, right, right. So it's, it's a unique time um, for some of that too, which is also a great opportunity, right? Right. Um, One thing that you'd asked about a little bit earlier on was about the generational impact of um, 
you know, whether that factors in right. for trust too. And I did just want to say it's something that's interesting. We found there've been some generational stereotypes out there. I think about which generations are more skeptical or cynical and which are more trusting. Um, <laughs> and, and we did see that younger generations, especially those younger millennials, you know, down to Gen Z are more trusting. Yes. And whether that's their, you know, kind of point in time where they're at in their career and they're not in as high of leadership roles, or whether that truly is a generational effect, we thought it was really interesting to see that. But they were much more likely to trust. They just they um, haven't been put through the wash yet. <laughs> see, <laughs> it I, could be. It I could believe be. we can talk about it. You know, in ten years from now, and see. I believe <laughs> that generations are all the same. They they go through this cycle, the same cycle. It's just we call it different things, use different words, but basically. Absolutely. Once you load up a, a person, a Gen, Gen Z, with a mortgage, a marriage, a couple kids in private school, a couple luxury cars, you know what? Turns out they're going to have kind of the same jadedness that boomers and, and everyone else that came before them did. So Yeah, there's there's many more similarities, especially when you take away kind of that point in life. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing to celebrate. But what's interesting is, of course, if you think about it, even you know at the point in time, knowing that, you know, see, if I was a senior leader looking out at my organization, why I want, might want to make sure, you know, I continue to reach out um, and learn from those younger generations, even if even if they are going to end up, you know, very similar, there's some good opportunity there oh, to yeah. learn from. Know, that, those know their audience. For sure. I mean, even if yeah, that's there, absolutely. as a leader, you should know, which leads me to one of two last questions. One is, is yeah. how do leaders, how do they get to know where they're at on that on the trust crisis, right? So people yes. that are listening to this, et cetera, are going to go, oh, that's not me. Or <laughs> right. yeah, that's me. They're talking about me. So like, how do they put a finger on the pulse and get to know where they are with trust? Absolutely. Well, I think that's why it's so important, you know, honestly, to have your own measurement. And there's a couple of ways that senior leaders and companies can get at, you know, this themselves. They might already have something in place, you know, whether it's part of an engagement survey or where they are measuring trust. But regardless, you know, you need to know how things are within your particular situation, within your particular organization. But you also need to know, are leaders doing a good job? And I think as, a, as you become a more senior leader, it's harder to get that feedback and that really objective or critical feedback. So we do see that assessments make such a huge difference um, in giving leaders, especially senior leaders, that self-insight to know, am I doing the right things? And that's, you know, not only the building trust um, part of it, but all those other behaviors that we were talking about, all those good leadership behaviors like empathy, um, communication, you know, even providing strategic direction, focusing priorities. There's a lot of things that senior leaders really can get value out of um, knowing are their skill sets still, you know, the same that they expected? Do they right. have strengths they didn't know? Do they have blind spots they weren't aware of? And then, of course, that can be managed either through coaching or development or both. Um, so I think there's some great ways that leaders can, you know, kind of take the opportunity, especially now that we're in a different kind of workplace in a different part of the world to to check in on those skills too, and not assume that, that they've gained everything they needed to on the way. Right, right. That impacts so many different things, internal mobility, uh, culture, obviously succession planning, if one does that, it, it can impact so many different things. And again, even if you feel like, as you're listening to this, even if you feel like, you know what, I feel like I've got a pretty good feel for this. And I feel like I'm. if I were to ask, I would probably be doing well, you know, don't assume. Let's, I right. mean, that's just don't assume, make sure you have the data to then back that. Hopefully that's true. Uh, Absolutely. And, 
But and then in, you're reinforcing those good behaviors still that's right. too, but hopefully, you know, making sure there aren't any blind spots or any areas that I think we all know, you know, we're on this journey to grow and to learn, right. um, whether it's a career journey or part of life. But um, I think that's such a good point that you're saying, you know, it's when good I used to, to take the stock. When I used to lead on the corporate side, I'd always end performance reviews was, what can I do? Two questions and they were really pretty basic, but basically what can I do to erode or, or take away things that are holding you back? Like just what is it? I mean, I might not be, I I might be able to, I might not be able to, but like, let's talk about anything that's holding you back and let's have a good conversation there. And then the other one was kind of off in the sense of, I'd say, you know, is there anything that I'm doing that pisses you off? (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of a way to make sure you open it up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's just like, Hey, and every time I ask that question, I swear, every time I ask that question, 10 years, I'd always get someone to says, well, Actually, because you asked, <laughs> boom, and then they'd say something. I'd be like, "Why? Why didn't you tell me?" Like that's so easy for me yeah. to change. I was calling one guy. Uh, his name was Brian. We worked pretty close together, but I was calling him Bry, just to shorten his name. But it was yeah. no big deal. So I asked that question at the end of the performance review. And he goes, "Well, actually, um, you, you, I, I really don't like the word <laughs> Bry." I'm like. Dude, why didn't you tell me? Like, seriously, yeah. we've worked together for a long time. Like, why didn't you say anything? Because I didn't I didn't feel like I could. I'm like, well, that's well, a well that invitation. So that just shows you right there that question, that invitation and opportunity for people yep. to bring it forward is so important. And that's exactly why I think that you you nailed it right in the head. You don't want to assume um anything and that people would come up with that. Oh, yeah. So that's why it's so important. And that's so important for inclusion too. I love that you asked that question. I'd, I'd learn every single, every time I ask you as the question, I'd learn something about myself and, uh, and also learn something about them. So it was, yep. it was wonderful on both sides. This has been fantastic. We'll get the link to the report so that people can see it when they go to the podcast, they can get a link to it. But if it's, if it's somewhere that uh, if you want to talk about it, that then you can. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's already just out there on our website. Thankfully, we've made all the research available um, to everyone. So you don't have to go through a gate or anything. It's on ddiworld.com. Um, and you can access right there, the Global Leadership Forecast 2023. And um, definitely excited for people to learn more through this research. And hopefully, you know, tough wake up call in some cases for senior leaders, but certainly there's things we know work and that can help um, to, to build more trust. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much for your time and coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, William. Absolutely. Thanks for everyone listening. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com. 